You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning. How are you today? You doing well? You doing well? Great. You got to be doing well. It's a beautiful day today. I'm so glad to be with you. It's always great to see you. And uh, today we are wrapping up our series for this month. We're doing an annual series about the most important thing in the world. When you think about our annual theme, we're talking about being all in. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? He quoted the passage from Deuteronomy, the Shema, that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And so we're going to be talking this year about what does it mean to be all in. And in this month, we're asking, why? Why should I be all in? Why should I love God with all that I have? What is it that's going to uh, motivate me to do that? And, and, and we begin this month by just making the point, and I want to repeat it now. Everything we do by faith and for faith is completely in response to the fact that Jesus has already done it for us. He has gone all in for us. He's gone all in for you, and anything you do is simply a response to the fact that Jesus has gone all in for you and for me. And so I'm all in because Jesus has first gone all in. We love because he first loved us. And since Jesus has gone all in for me, I'm going to be all in for Jesus. How about you? How about you? So what does that mean to be all in for Jesus? That's really what we're trying to to, to dig into over this series. And that God, through Jesus, has gone all in for us is great news, is it not? Well, boy, I don't know. (laughs) Sounds like boring news to me. And that's the problem in America. We're bored with that news. We're no longer in awe of that. We've lost our sense of awesomeness. That God has gone all in for you and for me. Oh, yeah, I know that. Uh, Yeah, that's old news. But we need to make it new news. We need to make the great news the best news. And that news needs to get out. And so... That's news worth telling, don't you think? Don't you think it's still news worth telling? The good news of an all-in God, that a God that has gone all-in for you, requires, necessitates special delivery. We should not be bored with it. And here's the thing. Guess what? You can be an amazing courier of that news. You can be an amazing delivery person of that news. And so I want to talk about that today. I want, to, I want to talk about how the message of the good news of Jesus Christ requires special delivery, and I'll explain that. But let me just back up for a second, because I believe that today we get information in ways like we've never gotten it before, correct? Things have changed a whole lot over the years in terms of how people receive information, We are now in the digital age. It was called the information age. But I'm concerned about how people come to to receive the good news of Jesus Christ in this information age, especially now that 
Some are beginning to term it the disinformation age because there's so much disinformation that's available to people now. They don't know what's true and what's not true. I mean, how do we know what's true and what's not true? I mean, we saw a perfect example of that this week. And people see what they want to see in the stories that people tell. And so how do we know what the truth is? Is it this person, what this person says, or that person says, or somewhere in the middle? Who knows? They know, but who knows? The way we receive information has just changed over the years. Let's think about that. Let's go back in time and think about the evolution of news. Now, for eons, for millenniums, News was passed down by word of mouth. There was no writing, there was no text, there was no other way but passing the story along from person to person. And if news had to travel from one place to another place, it had to be carried by a person, by the words, the story they're told, they travel and they get to the next place and they tell the story. And so the news was very slow in getting from one place to the other and often probably pretty inaccurate by the time it got there. So it's just a news that is told by one vantage point by the person that's telling the news. And you've heard it said that the winners always are the ones that write history, right? So there's always two sides of the history that we get. But it was via courier passed down by word of mouth, and it took days or weeks or months to get to there. Then Johannes Gutenberg invented the printing press. That cre- and back in 1439, uh, what was it? 1439. But even the even the print that had to be printed had to be carried by hand, right? And it still took time to get there. In 1704, the first continuous continuous newsprint was distributed in Boston. So, so we're looking at 1700, the 18th century. <clears throat> people began to distribute newspapers, but even that had to be delivered by, by horse, by hand, however it was taken. And the news had to be transmitted to the person that's running the press. They need to run the press. They need to print the press. They need to get it to the person. So news, again, there was a day delay or more so. Then the electronic telegraph came about. And you know, it just got faster and faster. Television then made news more instantaneous when television came on the scene. And I remember our first television. I'm old enough to remember that. Kids, I know, you think that's hard to believe. You thought it's been around forever. No, not quite forever, but I'm almost forever old. So, you know, that's, that, I remember that. And, and um, our first color television, I should say. I, don't, I think I remember our first color television. I remember the rabbit ears and the aluminum foil and to try to get the signal, and, but it was free. <laughs> the television wasn't, but it was free to get it. So anyhow, um, the television made the news more instantaneous. Um, I, was a, I was a paper boy. Any, any paper boys or paper girls, delivery people? And look at all the hands that are up there every... Yeah, now, do you remember how you would get the papers dropped off at your house? Then you had to, if it was a Sunday morning, oftentimes you needed to stuff them. But during the weekday, and Pittsburgh had two daily newspapers, the Post-Gazette in the morning, the Press in the afternoon. How many press delivery people did we have? 
How many Post-Gazette people did we have? Tribune Review? I mean, not this part of the town. But anyhow, you know, we would get a paper and we'd hand deliver them in people's front doors. We would go house to house and put the, put the paper, open the screen door, put it in the door. It was right. Talk about special delivery. That was special delivery, was it not? And then, what's that? By nine. By nine. Well, I was that afternoon person. By nine at night was probably my routine. I'd go, I'd, I'd have sports after school. By the time they got the Pittsburgh press from me, it was old, old news. Um, the fact of the matter is, however, uh, then, then when the people had to pay for their papers, who collected the money? The paper boy did. You'd go around and you would get the money. You'd give them a little tag that you would tear off receipt. Yeah, you remember those things on the little ring? The, and, and, they would, they, they, and you would know who hasn't paid and who the slouches in the neighborhood were. But you know, you knew. I, I knew every person on my street. I knew the P-Tex, the Beavers, the Fishers, the Lenses. The, you know, I could go down today and name every family on that street. And we would hand deliver them the newspaper. Talk at that special delivery. That's what I'm talking about. Well, today, you know, thankfully, um, you know, the press doesn't even, the Post-Gazette, press doesn't even exist anymore. The Post-Gazette isn't even printing on a daily basis anymore. Why? Because we get it instantly. We get it digitally. It's the information age. I can read the New York Times. I can read any newspaper I want online or get it from any news source that I want instantly and in my box. And so... Uh, talk about the drastic change in which news is delivered these days. Um, but here's the thing. It comes instantly, often without any filter. Now it gets slanted to match our personal biases, our personal desires. We, get the, we subscribe to the kind of news that tells us what we want to hear. It's often one-sided or half-truths. Sometimes it's even completely made up by some operative in uh, a foreign country telling us things that aren't even true. So how do people know what to believe anymore? That's my question, and that's the dilemma. And so if people can't trust today's news, which comes to us so instantaneously and directly, how are they going to come to faith in the good news of Jesus Christ? I remember when, you know, the digital age was being ushered in and people were saying, wow, this is amazing. Now we can get God's word into people all around the world. It's going to usher in this great revival because everybody now is going to be able to get the scriptures. Everybody's going to be able to hear the gospel People all around the world are going to come to Christ because of the digital age, and there's going to be this world revival, and the whole world's going to know, and then Jesus is going to come back, and we'll be in heaven, and everything's going to be hunky-dory. I'm not seeing. Now, thank God that people are in remote places able to hear the gospel, but they're also able to hear any version of the gospel. And a multiple ways, types of gospels, 
types of religions. Types. So more and more information is coming at them than with ever, and people can pick and choose what they want to believe. And I understand that. So it's true that people in remote and adversarial cultures are being reached through the internet. I'm grateful for that. And it's great that Christians can shop around to listen to great music, and they can hear the best preachers in the world at their fingertips. We should be using all the technology that is available to us to disseminate the gospel. I'm not saying that's something we should not do. But what I am saying is, though we should use all the toolbox that's in our communication toolbox to spread the good news, I don't think we should discard the best tools. We shouldn't exchange the best way to deliver the good news because of the convenient and instantaneous ways. Here's the thing. The good news of Jesus Christ is still best delivered through special delivery. Special delivery. I'm going to go into more detail about that. I got a special delivery yesterday. This is not how the good news is supposed to be delivered. Yesterday, I heard a knock on my front door. Teresa and I both hear it. She's upstairs. I'm in my study. I go out there, and there's a guy holding this beautiful bouquet of, of uh, uh, edible arrangements, this edible arrangement, all those fruits, in a beautiful bouquet, and it's like, oh, somebody sent us a wonderful edible arrangement. I love edible arrangements. And just as we started to take it, Teresa noticed it's the right house number, but the wrong street number. <laughs> and the guy said, oops, I'm sorry. <laughs> and he had to take it away. That's not the kind of special delivery I'm talking about where you take it away, you take back what you, what you deliver. But let's go, uh, let's, let's go back. I want, I want to go back to what Jesus taught us. I think that's always a good place to go, right? If you have your Bible, turn with me. We're going to look at two passages that are somewhat parallel passages in different Gospels. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9 at the end, and then it goes into chapter 10, and then Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. It's a similar, similar passage. But let's start with Matthew, the last passage in Matthew, chapter 9. It summarizes the previous three, I think, chapters of, of that gospel, because the, the previous chapter is all about the miracles of Jesus and the healings and the things that Jesus did. And then it summarizes it in verse 35 of chapter 9 of Matthew, says that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. In Luke's version, Luke chapter 10, Luke says, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his field. And then he adds, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Let's pray. Lord, I still believe that you are telling us 
to go. To go. To tell the good news. To spread it wherever we can. God, things are different now than when you walk on this earth. I'm sure when Jesus was here, uh, there, people couldn't imagine the way that news could be delivered these days. But Jesus, help us to be couriers of your good news and give that special delivery to people that need to hear it because people need it just as much today, though they might not even know it, as ever before. Amen. In both Matthew and Luke's accounts, Jesus is sending people out. In Luke's account, he's sending, in Matthew's account, he's sending out the 12 disciples. In Luke's account, uh, he's sending out the 72. Uh, and Luke has the 12 also, but I just wanted to give you that. All of this is in, it's Jesus' prep talk to get people ready to go and carry the message, carry the mission of Jesus forward to their generation into the world. And so that word go hasn't gone away. It's still there. And good news couriers are just as much needed today as ever before. Yes, they might be able to get it online. Yes, they might be able to get it from the favorite preacher. Yes, they might be able to do that. But the best good news courier is a person they know, a person who cares, a person who understands. Let's dive into that just a little bit here. We'll talk about some of the ways that uh, what makes up a special delivery. Number one here from this text, special delivery happens when your words match your actions. If you're following along in your Riverside app and the message notes there, you can fill in those blanks there if you want to do that and keep those notes for yourself. So here's the thing. A special delivery includes proclamation, the telling of the story, combined with a demonstration. Proclamation combined with demonstration adds so much more credibility to the message than just telling the news, sending the news, getting it out there. Would you agree with that? Jesus went about proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And you say, well, I'm not a miracle worker. I don't have the the power to heal. I understand that. I understand that. But this is where you know, digital media, social media falls short. There's a whole lot of proclamation in social media, but very little demonstration. Everybody's proclaiming their truth, but how many are demonstrating the love of God to people? Now, typing my thoughts and prayers are with you is nice, but a special delivery is a physical visit to the hospital taking a meal to that person, doing action that demonstrates that not only you're thinking and praying, and you can type that in seconds, but it's going to take a little bit of effort. It's going to take a little bit of care and concern. It's going to take some energy for you to make an effort to demonstrate that you're more than just talk, that you're doing something to act on that. Or occasionally, you know, not just visiting, but, but rather than saying my thoughts and prayers are with you, picking up the phone and calling that person. Yeah, I know, I know. These are, where's my phone? Oh no, I'm lost. Um, you know, it's down there. You could, this is a, this is a iPhone, but it's not even used as a phone anymore. It's an iText, right? 
I have to text people before I call them because if I call them without texting them, they'll just let it go to voicemail. I'm frustrated with that. Uh, so, are you available for a call? Well, you know, we have to we have to we have to text that before we make the call anymore. It's crazy. It's crazy. So anyhow, why did I go down that road? I forget already. But the fact of the matter is, just saying, texting. That's it. Texting. Uh, my thoughts and prayers are with you. Pick up the phone, dial their number, and call them and pray with them. You know, that coworker that's going through a thing and they make a Facebook post, oh, my, th next time you see them, you go into work, pull them aside and say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry to read what you posted last night. Hey, how can I help you? Can, would, would you like me to pray with you? Oh, people don't do that these days. No, but I would like to. No, well, maybe not. Well, I just want you to know I am praying. You know what I mean? I'm just talking about let's get back to face-to-face -to -face communication. Let's communicate it not just with our words, but with a demonstration. Some way, you might not be the miracle worker, but you can pray to the miracle worker. You can point them to the miracle worker. You can be a bridge for them to make a connection with God because you understand that God knows and God cares because God's all in for them and they need somebody to show them that God's all in for them by you being all in for them too. Understand? Does that make sense? You know, telling somebody, you need Jesus or you're going to end up in hell. Well, it might get them to think about eternal things, but it might also get you a punch in the eye. But a special delivery is giving somebody a, a cold drink to a thirsty soul and saying, you know, my life was a mess. I was just headed down that dead end. I, I, I was lost. I didn't know which way was up. My, my, sometimes I, I, I wasn't sure if there is a God, was a God. I still have my doubts. But you know, somebody told me about how Jesus went all in for me. And then I read the story. I got it for myself. And it changed my life as I realized that. It just did something inside of me. And, and, and I just want you to know that Jesus is really all in for you. And you know, you and I, we might not see eye to eye on everything. But I want you to know Jesus knows and Jesus cares and he, he loves you. That's a demonstration that's more than just telling them, you need Jesus or you're going to go to hell. And we need to demonstrate to people, a, we need to give them that special delivery that our proclamation must be backed up by our demonstration. Our words have to ma be matched by our actions. James, Jesus' brother, wrote, what good is it if somebody claims to have faith but has no deeds, no action? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother and sister is without clothes and daily food, and one of you says to them, oh, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, or in other words, my thoughts and prayers are with you, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is what? It's worthless, it's dead. The point is, you would be surprised at how sometimes the simplest conversation, the simplest demonstration of care and concern to somebody will speak more volumes to them
than any of your cheap words or posts. But they need to match. They need to match. Are you with me? Do you, do you, do you, do you, do you hear what I'm saying here? So, so that's it. The special delivery, secondly, happens when compassion is your motive. Notice it says, when Jesus saw the crowds, what? He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Hmm. What's your opinion of people that are outside of your Christian circle? Well, they're on that side. I'm on this side. They're on that team. I'm on this team. They belong to that. I belong to this. We live in such a us-them culture right now that it is hard to have any meaningful conversation with anybody that isn't in your camp. And it's tragic. It's tragic. It's tragic. I'm not a fan of the terminology, we need to win the lost. Now, I understand it. You know, we need to help people find Jesus. But the terminology, win the lost, implies that we're in a war where there's winners and losers, right? And, 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 and the last time I checked, I didn't see Jesus was at war with the people that were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He wasn't there to defeat them. He was there to help them, to rescue them. Why do we feel like we are at war with people? I mean, when did, when did anyone come to genuine faith in Jesus Christ at the other end of a gun? And yet I see a lot of verbal bullets being fired by Christians who are claiming that they are wanting to win people for Jesus. I don't get that. Do you? Hello? Hello? How are people in this digital age going to come to Christ when Christians are known as bullet firers rather than lovers of people who need somebody in their world to tell them that there's a God that loves them unconditionally and has gone all in for them? I understand we the win the loss, but this isn't a game. We don't, we don't win by firing these verbal bullets. Words matter. You may win the argument, but in the process, you may lose that person's soul, and you may lose your friends, and you may lose your family, and you may use your Christian, your witness, your ability to share truly Christ's good news with them. Every time Christianity turns simply into a culture war, when it seems more like a political action committee rather than a mission to bring the good news to the poor and freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and setting the oppressed free and point people to the favor of God. Anytime Christianity devolves into something other than that, everybody loses. We lose, they lose, nobody sees an authentic demonstration and proclamation of the special delivery that there is a God who is all in for them. Folks, in this digital age, we need to be above that. We need to be different. We need people to know that there is a heart of compassion coming at them. 
as Jesus had compassion on the lost. If they don't sense compassion from Christians, and they don't in our culture, let's admit that, then how are they going to come to Christ? How will they come to Christ? The word evangelical means good news, and yet the culture has twisted that around to become a political party. God forbid that that's what evangelical means, but that's what they have defined it as. I don't think evangelicals have defined it as that way, but when we divide everything into voting blocks, and that becomes what Christianity is, then we lose our ability to speak with compassion and truth and love to people. We need to get out of that. We need to speak to people as loving people presenting the good news of a God that's all in for them. Now, doesn't mean you shouldn't vote. You're conscious. Doesn't mean you shouldn't sort of be active, but be very careful. Be very careful that you don't get co-opted by politicians for their purposes. Amen? Don't be used. Stay above it. Take the high road. Take the high road. The hallmark of authentic Christianity is not military might or political power. The hallmark of Christianity, Jesus said, is the fruit of one's life. They will know we are Christians by our... Is it that complicated? Wow. Wow. The fruit of your life, is it full of love? Is it full of joy? Is it full of peace? Is it full of patience? Is it full of kindness? Is it full of gentleness? Is it full of goodness? Is it full of faithfulness? Is it full of self-control? Is that the fruit of your life? If it is, then you are going to be a great courier of the good news of Jesus Christ. And if that is not the fruit of your life, you're undermining the very message that you think you should be bringing to people. Let's, let's rise up. Let's rise up. How would you respond? And then back up a second. So the point is Jesus delivers the good news. When he delivers this special delivery, he comes wrapped in a heart of compassion for all people, no matter what camp they're in. It's a heart of compassion for them. Special delivery happens, finally, when faith fuels your courage. In Luke's gospel, it goes on in chapter 10, the Lord now chose 72 other disciples, sent them ahead in pairs, all the towns and places that he planned to visit. And these were the instructions he gave them. And I said this earlier, the harvest is great. The workers are few. Pray the Lord is, who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the fields. And Jesus said, now go and remember that I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals. Don't stop and greet anybody on the road. And he goes on to, to describe that. But, but how would you feel, how would you respond if Jesus asked you to do something daring? Well, what, 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 what would you be thinking if Jesus required you or recruited you to pair up with somebody on a mission project, to go to a strange people or a different culture and tell them 
that there is a God who is all in for them and, and he wants you. I mean, how, and, and, and remember, Jesus said that I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. They're not all gonna love you. In fact, the 12 that went out, only one died a natural death. But they all spread out through their world and the world came to know the message of Jesus Christ. The first day of school is a daring event. Wouldn't you agree? Imagine a mother telling her child who's going to school for the first time, honey, it's a jungle out there. When you go to school, I want you to know that when you get there tomorrow, I'm going to be sending you out like lambs among wolves. Child, you're going to be wolf bait when you go to school tomorrow. But what's wolf bait, mommy? Well, that means you're going to be eaten alive by those other students. Now sleep well, honey. Go to bed, and we'll see you in the morning. I mean, that's kind of the feeling I get with Jesus' words to them. You know, you're going out. You're going to be sending you out. But they went out nonetheless. He told him elsewhere, don't even take a weapon with you. Don't even take a knife with you. I can imagine they were all pretty nervous to walk into these towns and villages, not knowing people, bearing this message of this upshot rabbi that they probably had not heard about. But as you read on in Luke's gospel and in Matthew's gospel, this is what he tells his followers. Don't go in there humbly. Live simply. Depend on the hospitality and the goodwill of the people that are there. Don't go with your guns blazing. Go in peace. If they welcome you, be thankful for whatever they give you. Work for the support that you receive. Stay, build relationships with the people that host you. Don't go around from house to house and don't get sidetracked as you go along the way. Heal the sick who are there and tell them that the kingdom of God has come near to you. In other words, show them what the kingdom looks like. Peace, simplicity, personal responsibility, and healing. And then tell them, this is what the kingdom of God is, and it's here through Jesus Christ. If they don't receive you, warn them of the sad consequences of turning away from the opportunity to enter into God's kingdom, and then just move on to the next village. Don't burn the village down on your way out. Just go. Walk away. Jesus was asking them to do something courageous and the kingdom of God advances through courageous, daring people who are daring enough to go humbly, live simply, give generously, and heal compassionately. Faith is the courage to believe in and work toward the better future that God desires. That's my definition of faith. To believe in it and then work toward it. Make it happen. Following Jesus in those days was completely different than following Jesus today. Following Jesus back then was an invitation to live 180 degrees opposite the ways of greed, self-indulgence, and pride. It meant leaving everything behind for the sake of others. It meant loving your enemies, forgiving those who hurt you, sharing what you have with those who don't being fully devoted to being like Jesus, being a follower of the way, not just a believer in certain doctrines, a follower of the way of Jesus. 
And that's what it meant to be a believer back then. Today, it's just, I'm a Christian. This is what I believe. If you don't believe it, you're going to hell. You better come and believe like I believe. To see, to see. They will know we are believers by the compassion that we bring to them, by the courage we have to demonstrate God's love for them. And so, you know, it takes daring people, people of faith, people who are willing to go, to sacrifice, to give up, to give away in order for the good news to be delivered through special delivery. And God is looking for special delivery couriers. God's looking for special delivery couriers. I want to be a good news paper boy again. I want to know my neighbors. I want to be able to go to somebody who knows me and knows that my actions match my words so that when I pray with them and I tell them about the good news of Jesus, my words carry some weight. Though they may not accept it, though they may not want it, may have a hard time believing it, they won't have any doubt that I love them and I care for them because I have a God that went all in for me and I believe he's all in for you and for them too. I'm going to ask the band to come back up as we prepare to respond to today's message. <clears throat> Aren't you thankful for the 72 that went out and told others about Jesus, the 12 that went out? Aren't you thankful for the 120 that dared to tarry in the upper room for the power of the Holy Spirit to give them courage to follow him? Are you thankful for those who dare to tell you about Jesus? Do we have the courage to do that today in our generation? To give the special delivery of the good news to people? In this divisive and in these distrusting days, how will they believe? They will believe when someone, when someone comes to them someone that they trust because they build a relationship with them when someone who they know is authentic and real comes to them and tells them that you know God went all in for you he went all in for you he wants you to know that he did this for you this is the God that I believe in this is the God that helps to change my life and I still need someone who taught who whose talk matches their walk. Someone who, who shows them respect and genuine compassion. Someone who has the faith and the courage to tell them about a God who's all in for them. They will believe through special delivery couriers like you and like me. I want to be one. I want to be one. I want to be one. Jesus is still saying, hey, look at the harvest. It's plentiful. There's a lot of people that need to know this good news. Are you willing to go? Are you willing to go? So I want to end by just giving you some questions to ponder, and then we're going to pray. These are in the app notes, too, if you want to follow along there. Who in your world, 
needs a special delivery of the good news that God is all in for them. Think about that. Who in your world needs a special delivery of the good news that God is all in for them? And then ask yourself this next question. What about my delivery or lack thereof needs improvement? Be honest with yourself here. What about your delivery or lack thereof needs improvement? And then this question. What is one action that I can take this week that'll add weight to my words? What's something that I can do that'll add weight to my words this week? And then the last question that goes with the first is, who is it that God is putting on your heart right now to pray for? Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you that through Jesus Christ, I know without any doubt that you are all in for me, but not just me. You're all in for anyone who would come to believe. Anyone who could come to believe in that their life could be changed and transformed. Not just for eternity, but for here and now. And God, that's great news. And though it's old news, it is new news to those who haven't seen an authentic demonstration of it. So God, help us to be great couriers of that message. Help us to give the special delivery to people. And not just once. To live it with our whole life, I pray. Send people our way. Open our eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Give us a spiritual sensitivity to know how and when and what to do. And when we get those thoughts, those little nudges by the Spirit that, ah, oh, you, should, you should call that. Oh, you should pray. Oh, you should visit. Oh, you should tell God, help us to listen to those promptings of the Holy Spirit. Act on them. And do it with a heart of compassion. Lord, so that you would be able to see and reap the harvest of souls, of people who are coming to faith in you. And our world would be a better place. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.